HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by Rolling Press, a family-run, eco-friendly printing company. For more information, visit rollingpress.com. I'm Dave Arnold, host of Cooking Issues. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. We talk about food. We talk about music with musical dudes. Finger on the pulse, snacky tunes.
Oh, man. Number one with a bullet. Radical Dads, fresh off their gig at Rusk. It's a new venue over on First Avenue. Uh, Universal Coolers. We're coming up back in the studio live in the second half of Snacky Tunes. So excited. Um, eat caramels, eating pizza, getting ready. You know, rock star stuff. I'm one half your host, Darren Bresnitz of Finger on the Pulse. Shout out to Greg Bresnitz, who's hanging uh, with mom and dad today. Shout out to the ladies of Cherry Bomb Magazine and the Jubilee Symposium, which I was able to go to this morning. It was amazing. I think I'm in love with Ina Garden, but I think she's married to Jeffrey, so we will have to put a pin into that. Uh, I wanted to welcome to our show Eddie Froniter. Did I get that? Yes, absolutely. Boom. That's spelled out phonetically. Uh, owner of Eddie and the Wolf, third, the third man, and the previously known seasonal. Seasonal? Seasonal. Seasonal. Absolutely. What about the umlauts over the A? Well, this is, since I'm Austrian and speak German, yeah. seasonal means like the seasonal cuisine. That's the closest word to, um, the closest similar word between English and German. Hence, okay. we picked it. And who doesn't like seasonal cooking? It's, new, uh, it's a trend to watch this year. Seasonal cooking. <laughs> Also local. Right, right behind farm to table. Yeah, farm to table. You know, I've been hearing a lot about it um, and these things called food tracks. Food, I'm not, I don't think I'm, I don't think I'm pronouncing it correctly. Uh, four wheels on flavor, you know. Anyway, so welcome to the show. Um, you have a very interesting, awesome story that brings you from Austria to Avenue C in New York. Um, but let's start at the beginning. Where, where did your love of cooking start? Was it mother, grandmother? You know, I picture you out in Austria, like cooking and... The whole family and beautiful blue skies and lots of flavor. Well, the skies are always blue in Austria, but sometimes um, it's it's not the it's not the classic sound of music story. Um, I grew up in Vienna, mm-hmm. um, capital of Austria, uh, working basically alongside my mother and my dad in a bakery and coffee shop, True. and started at a very at a very very early age, thirteen. Um, instead of taking summer vacations, I was basically um, yeah, well, cooking in the bakery. And in the pastry shop, and so, very soon realized that waking up early at 1 a.m. is not really mine. Even though my love for hospitality developed then, yeah. And I said, "Daddy, what can I do?" And he's like, oh, why don't you become a chef?" Okay. So went to culinary school, and then where'd you go? What's your alma mater? <laughs> it's the uh, Culinary Institute of Vienna. It's my alma mater, so to say. It's um, a bit longer than the American version. In America, it's what six or nine months. In Europe, it's three. Everybody learns slower there, I guess. And, um, yeah, finished it, worked around Europe for a little bit, and then came to New York. Um, what made you come to New York? Did you cook around Europe and say there was, you know, you saw a culinary hole that you wanted to fill? I don't think, I think people very often, like, end up in New York by accident. Like, a lot of people plan and want to come to New York, and then they, I think they strand at one point. I was lucky enough that... Um, after working in Greece and working in London, I um, got the offer to run the, the private delegate dining room of the German mission because they wanted some Austrian food, oh, wow. clearly. And then as a really young chef, I was 23 years old, I just like hopped off the plane, so to say, on the 16th of August 2001 and started cooking. Huh. Any, any good stories from that time of cooking? Well, I'm, I'm running that until this day, and it's really like beautiful to see this this how you evolve. You're still running it? I'm still running it. Oh, wow. So, well, not not alone. When the, one no. is only as strong as their team. No, of as course. We, as we all know. Um, but I'm still running it today. And, like, it's also like this. I, I knew so little about New York now with the restaurant business. And, like, you make a lot of mistakes. But I think also the learning curve by not working for a big chef, so to say. A lot of people, they work for Jean-Georges, for Thomas yeah. Keller, for this and that and the other. So, like, not having that pedigree behind me also, like, makes one free. Right. So, Austrian cooking, early 2000s in New York, how popular or how well-known was it? Oh, not at all. There was, I think, two Austrian places. There were there were Walsey from yeah. Kurt Gutenbrunner. Yeah. And then that's about it. Like, one place in, in Brooklyn, I think it's called Thomas Beisel, right across BAM. Okay. But that's already, like, sold and closed and flipped. So, that, that, that's it. Oh, yeah. I think it's like called like Berlin or something like that. Yeah. Or, yeah. Um, so then what made you – were people craving Austrian food or did you think 
you don't know how awesome it is. I'm going to show you how awesome it is. Like, what what made you take that leap in a city that obviously was not on the Austrian trend? I think New York, number one, there, there's many advantages New York has towards like other places in America. I think people are really well traveled in New York, and and they number one understand where Austria is. That's so that's the beginning. That's just a, the starting point is a good one. Show them a map. They can find Austria. No, no. You just tell them, son of music, and they're like, fantastic. I mean, <laughs> they, they just feel good about it, speaking of music. Um, and then I think very often people have this have the, the opinion of, like, Germanic food being heavy and, and not refined and only meat and potato. Yeah. Even though I think the most beautiful dishes in the world are meat and potato. Yeah, I mean, it's called – it's meat and potatoes for a reason. <laughs> you know? Um. So and then and then basically like you start and you see what works and you see what doesn't work and very often like um, European friends bring their American buddies to Eddie and the Wolf let's say, and then they come back alone because they're like wait a sec this is really good, and I think Austria has one advantage as well when we we joked about farm to table uh, yeah. nose to tail cooking all this and seasonal cooking, I mean this is how Europe functions. I was I'm always surprised that like this is <laughs> yeah, your I new know. trend. Yeah, it's funny when it's called a trend, and it's just like, no, this is just cooking that everyone else does in the world. Well, this is how you should source. Yeah. And this is how you should buy. And this is when you cook asparagus and rams yeah. and venison and I don't know what. So, And dough a deer, right? Absolutely. So you're in New York, early 2000s. When did you start realizing that you could get enough resources to put together your first restaurant? And which restaurant was that? Well, it took it took seven to eight years. Yeah. Because as we all know, like it's very capital intense to open a restaurant. Yeah. And you know how chefs are. Chefs are like sometimes they get really carried away, and young chefs are like egomaniac, and they really want to prove to themselves that they can do it. So of course you don't start with a casual place like Eddie and the Wolf or or something like lower than that or like a simple bistro. You go like fine dining. Yeah. So this is what we did. So in 2008, we opened Seasonal. And, and who is we? The Wolf? Uh, wolf the Wolf. Of course, The Wolf. Oh, my the God. The one and only. But we locked him away in Central Park, so it's okay. He's <laughs> not going to disturb anybody. Uh, and we, of course, and you know what? how things happen. Like you, I arrived four weeks before September 11. Of course, the second I opened a fine dining concert in Midtown, the financial crash comes. Yeah. But I tell you one secret, but you don't, you're you not going to share with anybody about the restaurant business. It's fine. No one listens anyway. Small restaurant, small problems. Big yeah. restaurant, big problems. Right. So Let's Be Happy was a small place, 65 seats. And six months after opening, they gave us a mission star. Wow. And this is, I have to say, this was like one of those moments as, a, as in a professional life where you basically like have teary eyes and you I was going to say like, how many tears I'm telling you like I, when I called my mom my mom didn't really get it at the very beginning but like she eventually she got it when I said mom there's only 14 places in Austria who have one doesn't make sense now and she's like oh my god I cannot believe it so she she eventually she got it after this sentence it needed a little side note a little side mom here's an addendum of why this is important other than me just getting a, an award but I'm I'm telling you, like making a financial case for Michelin star restaurants is not a very strong one. No, it's uh, to get that. What goes into the one, two, and then when you get to the three stars from Michelin or the four stars for the Times, that type of investment is it's bonkers. You have to really pour all that money in to get those stars. It's not just. I mean, money is one aspect. I but think then the people and the planning. I think it's food. it's it's. It's the money overall because money money realizes dreams. It's a sad reality in in capitalistic societies. I mean, we all know, but like you need you need the entry, but then you need the sweat. Yeah. You need the expertise. You need the teamwork. Yeah. Because alone, who can cook alone? Yeah. If you have like five seats, then you can cook alone. But like with sixty, no way. Five seats would be really, really, really small problems. And. <laughs> But also very personal ones. Yeah. What was the um, standout dish from seasonal? Uh, what was like the one that you got known for? Well, everybody relates Austrian food with schnitzel and yeah. spätzle. So like we tried to be, take modern takes on on those two Austrian staples. Of course, very very well refined. But also we had like one slow poached egg dish with lobster and pumpernickel. Not Ooh. very Austrian at all. However, people, I think even Eddie and the Wolf. Look at the menu, Eddie and the Wolf. It's yeah. not very. It, it doesn't scream Austrian, even though like the technique and like 
the way it's grouped and the way you're supposed to share a meal there is very is very Austrian. It does not. You don't walk in and immediately realize, oops, I'm in an Austrian place. <laughs> oops, oops, I came into an Austrian place. Uh, I guess I'll I guess I'll eat here. Um, well, I'm gonna come back. Uh, we're gonna take a musical break and we're gonna talk about Eddie the Wolf. And I'm gonna butcher this word, but the uh, inspired by Harrigan. Heidegger. Oh my god! Oh, come I on! I could have. I, I, sh I should have asked you on the break, so I seem uh, more informed. But Harrigan, like get Heidegger. Hodegan. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but yeah, we're going to talk about that and the inspiration and um, I guess the evolution of Avenue C, which is now one of the biggest culinary destinations in the city. That strip. I, I'm telling you, before before we opened Eddie and the Wolf, and I have to say, even like many, many friends of mine said, Eddie, Avenue C, are you crazy? No, I remember when you opened and I went, who the hell opens on Avenue C? And then I went and I went, this guy opens on Avenue C. <laughs> Thank you. 
Um, so we have Eddie of Eddie and the Wolf. Uh, the Wolf is sort of lurking in Central Park right now. Locked away. Locked away. What a great nickname. Does he earn it? Is, he, does, is, is it apropos? He has, he has uh, wolf-like features. Oh, okay. All right. Okay. Um, so we're talking about Eddie and the Wolf, Restaurant Avenue C, and I'm just not going to embarrass myself again um, with pronunciation. I mean, we're just not going to do it. Uh, so it is inspired by... Heurigam. Which are the casual neighborhood uh, wine taverns popular in Austria. Um, what's your favorite one back... Can you shout it out? Your favorite one from home? Oh, like the Grüner obviously. Oh, obviously. But there's, there's, you don't have a favorite child. So, like, there's the no. Gruner, there's Blaufränkisch, there's Zweigel. There's many different, like, aspects to Austrian wine. And native wine in general. I love, like, native grape varietals who, like, who you find in countries. I mean, Italy got 2,000 native grape varietals. Who can keep track? So many is. Who make me cry with their mastery of memory. Oh, my God. I go, oh, yeah, okay. So, what made you want to open Eddie and the Wolf, and what made you open on Avenue C, which was desolate before you opened your doors? Well, after after three years at Seasonal, I I have to admit that I did not like the person I've become. I have to say, like, this constant pressure, 70, 80-hour weeks, like, like beating people down about the consistency of a sauce and the way they cook the fish and the scallop and this and that. Um, takes a toll. It does take a toll, and it's not. It's not also like it's. It's not a very empowering working environment. It's right. very. It's a. It's a grind, and you are in this grind, and like you, you sometimes don't know how to get out. And I think everybody who listens to that show can relate it. Like there's always a relationship, a, a, a situation in their lives where they're in a grind, where they like they say, "I have to get out." I mean, of course, when your name is on the door and. You hold on to Mission Star, you're not going to close it right away just because you have a bad day. Right. However, I, I was looking for a for another creative outlet. And um, I lived on Avenue C and 6th Street. So I saw um, those really desperate two guys running the pizzeria, and it was not good. And it was really sad to see how they struggled. So I said, listen, guys, let me relieve you from your, from your misery. And um, I take over the lease, I take over your kitchen, I'm going to close, redo, do everything, get a liquor license, and open on Avenue C. And at the beginning, so many people said, like, Eddie, are you crazy? <laughs> even 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 some people like present in that room told me, like, you must be insane. And I said, listen, if that doesn't work, the rent is so cheap, I'm going to move in and make it an apartment. Nice. So, and I, I install a shower, and I have my own garden, and, like, I have my own bar for my bachelor parties. And I'm, I'm going to have a good time there. That's, that might be the best plan B I've ever heard. But you, exactly. <laughs> it's like, yeah. But then after, I tell you, after like three, four weeks, we had to, because the menu at the the actual idea of Eddie the Wolf was super, was super simple. Small plate, something along like what Roberta's does. Yeah. Like flatbread, charcuterie, cheese, salads, and like really minimalist. But then people ask for more food, more food, more this, more that. Yeah. And then they basically realized like, hey, pfft. We want more. They want warm dishes. They want this. They want that. Because the original idea of a Heidegger is you can only sell what you produce in-house. Oh. So that's in, in terms of everything. Food, wine. You weren't making your own wine, were you? Uh, no, I wasn't. Oh. And, well, I was importing it from Austria. I don't think the uh, terroir of Avenue C is uh, inducive for making Spe wine. Especially after Sandy. <laughs> it was yeah. a bit salty. Yeah, very salty. Yeah, 2012 was a salty year. Um, so... I think the wolf is doing well. You and the wolf are thinking, let's get another spot, right? Well, I said, listen, I need, I need something. If I should just stay at seasonal and like start like losing my mind over my overcooked scallop, I'm not going to be happy, right? And this place is the is the I think the translation of what happiness for for chefs and diners supposed to be. Like this is you come in, it's very user friendly, it's very egalitarian. That's the idea of a Heidegger in Austria where. The, the mayor and the doctor is sitting next to the, like the, the regular folks. I mean, those are the two opinion leaders in small town Austria. <laughs> and uh, everybody comes together and just enjoys a good meal and a good glass of wine or beer. And that's it. Super simple. Like not, nothing else. So don't over-intellectualize it. Don't over-complicate it. Yeah. And then you and the wolf also opened up a cocktail bar, right? Well, that, that's what, that was the next necessity because yeah. then Eddie and the wolf, of course, like, was not very big. So when people are waited, you're like, 
we'll go send you down the street to drink. Well, it's either I sent him to Alphabet Lounge right next door, mm-hmm. which only opens at 9 p.m., so like that doesn't really help me. Mm-hmm. Or um, you, we open our own like little chef-driven cocktail place, which is called The Third Man, right down the alley from like movie lovers. Yeah, love, and, it. love and, that uh, movie too. I um, mean, it's so so it's beautiful. So good. That's, so good. I mean, anybody who doesn't know what Vienna is, I tell them watch The Third Man, and you like you just like see how beautiful the city is. It's a bit deserted. It's still kind of up to this day is a bit deserted. Really? Well. Think about it. Like Vienna was the capital of the Austro-Hungarian Empire. Twenty-six yeah. countries, huge. Yeah. So like it was everything was scaled for like four million people. Right now it is two point five. Right, 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 right. Um, so has Austrian food in Austria modernized, or is it still very classic? In the way that I mean, Spain did and Denmark and things like that. Well, I mean, I think. Southern Europe to be way more progressive and way more, I think, open for for innovation and like also it's a different breeding ground in Austria. Like my my mom always tells me, oh my God, Eddie, come back to Vienna. I like I buy a little restaurant and then you can move back and we can live close to one another. And I'm like, mom, oh my God, she has no clue what I'm doing here. Right. So, uh, in in order to be successful in Austria, you need ten years or fifteen years, and you have to like kiss ass to everybody you actually don't like or don't want to know or don't want to spend time with. Versus New York is way more egalitarian, and I think, in terms of innovation, that's uh, not doesn't really help innovation because everybody's afraid of the opinion of others. Versus in Spain, the crazies go out, do their own thing, start etching their their logos into ice cubes, right, uh, and and with like with like like laser guided systems like at 41 degree from from the Farah brothers yeah, yeah i mean and this is cool but in, in austria is a very conservative country one has to understand it's very very conservative so um innovation there's not much and they are classicists like i'm a little bit of a classicist as well which i think is good because you have to build up upon something yeah because you cannot start with making spheres foams and airs when you don't understand how both bourguignon is being prepared no nothing is more frustrating to go to a restaurant where there's all these bells and whistles, and yet the proteins are miscooked, but their foam's on point. Yeah, I mean, you're like awesome, best carrot foam I've ever had. Rubbery <laughs> duck, not impressed. I agree. So what's next? What do you got coming up next? Well, we are working on a place uh, on La Guardia. Okay. Um, it's a small. It was a small bakery, so we are we are trying to like transform like an Austrian Viennese spirit to the place. But that's just in the in the works. You're not gonna make a nod to the bakery you started at all those years ago. Well, I think you know what. I think good food should always remind you of a good past and good memories and create new memories and like share this with others. Um, if this is my way to share with others, I think I gladly should do so. But let's see what's gonna happen. Okay. Um, well, before we go. Where can people... Are you on Instagram, Twitter? Doing any of that yep. social media? At Eddie and the Wolf. How's your Instagram game? How's my Instagram game? Yeah. Is it is it on point? It's not on point. I'm no? Very, I'm very lazy. You got to get on that. I know. I bet you you do a beautiful shot of some schnitzel. You get a, a, lot, a lot of followers. Well... <laughs> right? We call, like, it, we call it schnitzel porn. Yeah, schnitzel porn. <laughs> another, another Austrian invention. Um, Eddie and the Wolf, Avenue C... And uh, how many restaurants now are on Avenue C? Like how many? I mean, it's like that it f- a dozen. Yeah, it's amazing over there. It's so crazy, and all because of you. All because you saw it. No, no, no. Listen, it's a, it's a group effort. It's absolutely a group effort. I wish, I wish I could claim it all to me, but you know what? It's not. It's a group effort of like very dedicated people who like bust their ass every day and like sweat tears and blood and like help one another and it's one family. I love that. I love that. Uh, well, thank you for stopping by. Have some pizza with us. Thank you for having me.
Welcome back to the show, Radical Dads. Um, I'm sorry we did not have the star of Home Alone and Home Alone 2 <laughs> as a warm-up band. He's our usual. Opener. My my personal f- uh, favorite was The Good Son, when Macaulay Culkin drops the F-bomb. <laughs> don't F with me, Mark. You know? Thanks. And remember that? I, didn't, I never saw that. Dude, I don't know. I, I can't even say it's on Netflix. I don't know. <laughs> it's like, you know, they like, tried to become like a serious actor at like nine. But then he kind of pulled it off later on, right? I don't know. He was in what Saved, Party Monster. Party, Party Monster. That's oh. not. Yeah, yeah. I don't think anything anyone pulled off anything in Party Monster. <laughs> I went back and watched it. I was like, you know, I knew it didn't hold up, but it really didn't hold up. Oh no. Um, so welcome back. Thanks. You guys are. Well, I'll always now have a special place in my heart for the show you guys played yesterday. <laughs> Thank you so much. Um, how have you been? Really good. Great. Oh, Excellent. wow. Thank you for the <laughs> lengthy response of that. Next question. Next question. <laughs> oh, boy. We're going to run out of stuff. Um, that's the only question I have is, how are you doing? I thought we I thought we could stretch that. So, anyway, so things are good, right? Yeah. Um, just, just blowing up. Put up a record. Huge. Put up, huge. We Proof of record. The, we opened the restaurant on Avenue C. Oh, yeah. Recently. Radical Milk Duds. Radical Milk Trends. <laughs> um... So you got the new record. How do you feel about that? Well, it feels good to finally have it out there in the world, because it's been done for a little while. How long was it gestating? I don't know. Like 14 months? Yeah. <laughs> wow. Like an elephant baby. Yeah. We had to write, wait till the culture was ready for us. <laughs> yeah. And we felt like now was the right time for that. <laughs> what do you mean when the culture is ready for you? <laughs> do you mean like... We're not you, sure. Yeah. Okay. So, album number two? Three. 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 Yeah. What's it like going into the junior album? Um, hmm. Don't fuck this up. Yeah? <laughs> no. I feel like the sophomore really. album's the more like, don't fuck this up. Yeah. So I feel fuck like, that up. Like, we... everyone loves the first one, and the sophomore's like, we gotta change go. it up, man. It's like, mm, don't really change up the sophomore album. I feel like junior yeah. album, you can get a little more experimental. You gotta wait for your revolver. Oh, yeah. Forever Soul Sergeant Pepper. <laughs> the Chris and Lindsay hate the Beatles, though, so I shouldn't yeah. be t- Beatle talk. These references. You hate the Beatles? I don't hate the Beatles. <laughs> I just am not, like, Compared Beatles to- fanatic. Well, that's fine. I mean... I'm, I'm more, like... I don't know. There are a lot of other bands that are more we- important to me from that kind of We had an era, interview with someone in... This came up and she was just like freaking out. She's just like, "What do you, What do you mean you don't love the Beatles?" And I was like, "I know, right?" <laughs> oh, right under the bus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, third album. What was the approach this time? Um, just send it to Julian. We just <laughs> we recorded uh, at Silent Barn with Julian and Carlos, and awesome. um, which was great. And they have a Hmm, how to describe their attitude towards recording. I don't know. Cavalier? It's Cavalier. Really? Cavalier. Guns blazing? Yeah, like just like get it done. Yeah, second or third take, Julian was like, well, you could do it again, but it's probably not going to get any better. Whoa. Whoa. 
I don't know. How that's the, that's make that sound. That's uh, <laughs> when you try and go for the fourth take. You just place the ball. Like, we got it. Also, oh. like, oh. wow, that's scary. Yeah. Okay. Um, so second, third take. How did you feel when someone, someone's like, ah, oh, you got it? Um. Well, every time we were just like, oh, yeah, that's fine. It was kind of cool to not like stress out about it. We were just sort of like, yeah, that'll do. Like, it's not going to get that much better. We know what we're doing. We're just going to knock it out. But it was good. It wasn't like, yeah. it was like, that's not going to get much better. <laughs> Are we back? <laughs> we'll just, we'll cut all that out. We'll start this over. <laughs> and Is that a thing? <laughs> so what was it like uh, only going in for two or three takes? Great. Yeah? Yeah, we're into it. It felt yeah. good. There's good energy in that studio, so... We, we mostly recorded it live, like, just playing all together. Oh, that's awesome. And then it wasn't a lot of, like, overdubbing, because that feels very unnatural to us. You got a lot of energy from uh, just playing it live? Just feeding off of each other. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just, just giving some good, like, good, like, bass face, drum face, keyboard face. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. The yeah. whole time. Uh, Plus, we're getting old, so we weren't physically capable of doing too many more takes. <laughs> so it's like, let's just get it done in one take. I got nine takes of me today. No more overdubs. Yeah. It sounds fine. Um, what, do you guys want to play a song for us? Sure. Uh, yeah. What song are you going to play for us? Uh, in the Water. It's called In the Water. Okay, cool. Here we got Radical Dads live on Snacky Tunes. Hopefully the ample sound up now.
Awesome. You want to do two more takes? Yeah, you know what? We got it. We got it. Never mind. We got it. Julian said that was fine. Yeah. Julian just texted me. He said, listening, totally fine, moving on. Um, so um, I heard you guys are also working on two other projects. Um, about nine months in the studio each, right? Yeah. Yeah, totally. Uh, you are no longer going to be Radical Dad's name only and Radical Mom. Yeah. But Radical Dad and Mom in IRL. Yeah, it's yep. true. Uh, it's pretty crazy. And you guys also timed the babies to be born at the same time. Like, <laughs> pretty much. What was that conversation? Was that coincidence? <laughs> We've just been planning our calendars for so long. Yeah. Like, look, we got a torn twelve months. So we pop these kids at nine. Yeah. So you're excited? Yeah. Super yes. excited. We're gonna have to break up the band, though. It's, really? Yeah, it's not ironic enough. We'll just ch- we'll start a new band. Yeah, radical parents or like super. Super cool family. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Something like that. Probably. Adult responsibility. Adult yeah. responsibility. <laughs> That's a good one. That's College. a good one. College fund. College fund. There we go. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 401k plan. Right. Um, so that's that's so exciting. What's it like to be uh, an active band with two individual kids on the way? Um, well, hmm. um, we're... <laughs> Raining in the activity. <laughs> yeah. So no more like late night, like drug, whiskey, infused sunrise. Parties. Yeah, we're kind of like, well, can can we play first? Is that cool? <laughs> I know we're the headliners, but yeah. tired. We we had a record release show that was really fun, and we were, you know, we played third, I think, or something, and we stayed up pretty late, and it was awesome. We were up to like three or something, and that hadn't happened for a little while, and then we woke up the next day and. None of us really had been drinking or anything. We were all obliterated. We felt like we had just like yeah. been hit by a bus. So. It happens. I don't know. It's yeah. It's kind of embarrassing. We're old. Are you guys? But, are you guys like healthy lifestyle? Like healthy eating? No gluten? No meat? None of that stuff? We're we're pretty healthy, but um, you know, I have a I have a sweet tooth. I have a soda tooth as well. So it's a little a little tough. A little dicey sometimes, but um. You know, I've I've heard that all that gets filtered out and the baby will be totally fine. It's just it's probably just a coincidence that the baby's kicking as soon as right. you have a soda. Yeah. The, really acting up when you have that eighth Twizzler, right? Yeah. <laughs> just a coincidence. Um yeah. so with the new album out, what's the plan? Are you gonna try and fit in one more tour before the babies are born? Nope. No. 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 We're gonna we're gonna see what happens after they're born. And then maybe we'll we'll tour the world. You are getting to the later stages of the pregnancy stuff, so it's like when you're deep in the third trimester, you don't really want to be touring. <laughs> no, so I know I'm not allowed to fly, but can I play 14 <laughs> shows in a row? Yeah, and what's the decibel limit? On yeah, the, what's on the decibel? belly? Oh my god, that'd be so funny if you had like the headphone <laughs> on your belly. Like I think this is where its head yeah. is. Oh, I think you know what would be good is like that breastfeeding pillow, like putting that around yeah. myself for also a show. Also protect from the guitar. But yeah, I think uh, I'm gonna do it. I think uh, you could silkscreen some of those up, yeah. sell yeah. them, right? Radical mm-hmm. Dad breastfeeding pe- pillows. This is yeah. when our like marketing really takes off. Right? Yeah. 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 I mean, it's such a natural organic fit to go <laughs> to the, like, you know, one Radical Dad onesies. You have to. Yeah. You have to. Stuff right. We've custom made those before. Have you really? Yeah. 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 But they were, they were just, like, one special of, orders. Special orders? Nephew needs yeah. specials. Yeah. Um, can we hear another song? Definitely. What are you going to play? Um, cassette Brain. Yep. This, is our, this is our baby's favorite. Oh yeah, does the baby does the baby like make movements when he hears one song versus another? Um, I think that our baby really likes Robbie's drumming because whenever it, like whenever the guitars drop out and it's just the drum, she's like kicking what? along. Doug and Annie are here. <laughs> oh my god, Annie Hart. Oh, uh, where are they? They just walked into the. That's other so room. funny. I, mean, I love Annie Hart. She's put out a new single. Yeah, 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 yeah. she did. She's throwing she's my writing. baby shower. Oh, she is. Yeah. You're yeah. invited. You can come. Really? Sure. I thought it was like a girls only. That's Brooklyn. <laughs> yeah. Brooklyn. It's any, it any be, it would, gender. It wouldn't be rad if we didn't like mix up the rules, right? Oh, yeah. Um, okay. Well, can we dedicate this one to Annie? Definitely. Annie. Okay, cool. Here we go. <laughs> Radical Dad's live on Snacky Tunes.
so good. If you were to get swept away, where would you want to go? New Zealand. Ridgewood, Queens. <laughs> <laughs> to Andy's house. <laughs> swept away for that. Um, so, I know you got a few gigs coming up. Yeah. DJ gigs. We're doing some DJing. At the Ace Hotel. Yeah. Six hour sets? Minimum. Uh, four. Four hour sets. Four hour sets. What's your uh, long tune bathroom break song? Or I guess if it's all three of you, you can rotate out, right? Well, we were talking Cortez the Killer. It's Cortez pro- the probably Killer. Probably a good, good option. That's a classic uh, Greg Bresnitz, DJ Snacky Tunes. I used to start with Ginger by the Lilies. That's a good long one to start with. It's not super it's long. Yeah. It's like six minutes, right? Five minutes? We're just going to grind it out with a lot of long ones. Something like 10 minute Yola Tango. Oh, yeah. Oh, 17, yeah. oh, Night Falls on Hoboken. It's like 17 minutes. Yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> it's like a mix. Like, you want to like flip songs enough so you're like moving through it. But then sometimes you're like, uh, a song every two and a half minutes, you get a little, right. get a little crazy. Yeah. Are you pumped? You gonna get some martinis? Well, I guess you're not gonna have any martinis. <laughs> I know. I was wondering if they did any special, you know, virgin cocktails. cocktails. I'm sure they do. Yeah. Fresh juices, things like that. Yeah. And then, yeah. so those are your DJ gigs, and where are you playing next? We are gonna be playing at Rough Trade. Ooh, nice. Yeah. On the, I think it's Thursday the 16th of April. Um, of April. Yeah. And we're doing a little thing on WFMU as well, so that'll be fun. That's awesome. Yeah. I'm so happy Rough Trade figured it out. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. They were shut down for a second. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone's just like, ooh. That was, <laughs> that was, I think, a collective groan in the music industry out here. Just like, how did you not think about soundproofing? Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. There's like nine condos across the street. <laughs> um, so April 16th. And then one of the kids, so like, is this like, we're getting close to like the last time. That might be like, it for New York. Oh man! We while. have a show in Boston on April twenty fifth. Boston, Boston, Boston. favorite uh, favorite burrito places up there. Honest Taqueria. Oh, oh yeah. yes, oh, yeah. love Honest. Felipe's is like Felipe's is same, good, but Honest. No, is. What's your order up there? What you like? Uh, you know, whatever. Chicken I get the burrito. quesadilla. Super burrito. I'm with you. Quesadilla. They do this like we. They think they like dip it in oil. And fry. Like, <laughs> they just like oh man. <laughs> like I'll get a burrito, but get it inside a quesadilla. I just like that crunch. <laughs> Um, yeah, I don't. I, it's like funny. Like I, I never expected to have my favorite burrito be in Boston. <laughs> yeah, but you know, Those New York needs to figure that out. Yeah, we, we got plenty of Viennese restaurants. But how about a good right. <laughs> So, and where are you playing in Boston, or when? O'Brien's Pub. Nice. Um, with Ava Luna, with Julian and Carlos. Oh, hey, Ava and, Luna. O'Brien's yeah. Pub is that in Alston? Alston. Yeah. I think I used to go to. I want to say Sundays, Sunday nights, 80s night there and dance. I used to live like down the street on Wadsworth. Nice. <laughs> you miss those days? I do not miss Boston. Okay. We, I think we've touched on it before about my l- no love lost for that city. Yeah. We don't have enough time. We have, we have enough time That's for you guys to shout everything out and play a song, but not enough time for me to okay. rant on Boston. But I, would, I have gone back literally just like I've gone in, gotten off. Uh, the highway gotten on us and gotten back on the highway. <laughs> it's worth it. It's totally worth it. And the last time I went, I got one for dinner, and then I got <laughs> one, and I ate it. I brought it home with me, had it for breakfast. Good move. Yeah, that's what we call a pro tip. <laughs> Real pro tip. That is a pro tip. Um, so I want to make sure we get one last song in. But where can people get the album? Where can people get the information? Where can people get Radical Dads onesies and silkscreen pramps? The website. <laughs> Which is? It's uh, RadicalDads.com is one, and then it's RadicalDads.Bandcamp.com. Shout out to Bandcamp. Yeah, Bandcamp. Bandcamp. Thanks, Bandcamp. Forever killing it. Killing it. And are you on the gram? Instagram? We're not very um, big on the gram. We are on the gram, but yeah. very minimally. I've heard social media, just like Farm to Tables, going to be taken off pretty it's soon. Be, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Trent Swats is here. We, we got the Twitter pretty decent. Yeah, at RadicalDads uh, for your requests for onesies. We just started the Tumblr. Oh, nice. Why not? <laughs> yeah. Find us on Yik Yak. Oh, my God. <laughs> Have you used Yik Yak at all? Uh, yeah, I'm using it right now. Oh, uh, yeah. This beats is great. This place is awesome. <laughs> this place is awesome. What are those people doing in that weird box? <laughs> um, well, thank you, guys. Uh, shout out to Ben Sisto for setting everything up yesterday. Thanks, shout out to the fam. Shout out to Anna out in L.A. Shout out to Joe, my dog, who's probably just laying on the couch. Um <laughs> Shout out to uh, Kentucky, Kansas. Yeah. 
and the March Madness. It's big wins. Big wins. I don't so know. proud. I'm not really into sports. Um, <laughs> thank you so much. What's the last song you're going to play out? Play us with? Don't go. Don't go? Yeah. But we have oh, to. I know. But what are you going to play? Don't go. Don't go. But what? But who's on first? <laughs> but who's on first? Uh, we never. We always have time for bad jokes. You know what I'm saying? There we go. Uh, thank you so much. Again, thank shout you. out to Cherry thank Bomb. You. And uh, we'll see you next week with uh, Philip, I think. All right. Bye.
Thanks for listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can email us with questions anytime at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.